defense. I hope the girls had a good time. The guys had a good time. Nick almost shot someone with a BB gun. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty awesome. We also did the see Sally up, see Sally down challenge. It was a push-up challenge. So I'm sure there could have been some girls that would have beat us, but that's why we yeah. separated so that, you know what I'm saying? So this, this is the humility class. Uh, my wife, Latoya, and I, we helped serve in the campus ministry down in Atlanta. And, um, but I just, I would love to hear before we jump in, like, why did you decide this class? Like, what about humility? What do you want to learn about humility? Why did you feel like you wanted to choose this class? And why don't you say who you are and where you're from, too? I'm Joshua Stiles. I'm from the Asheville Church, mm. and I came here because I need to learn how to be humble. Amen, bro. <laughs> we all know how to be humble. And maybe I'll make it a little more specific. Like, what about humility? Or what about pride? Is hard for you, right? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm Erin from Thanks for saying that out loud, because I think most of us can feel that. Like we, there's a scripture that says, "Be slow to speak and quick to listen." But we want other people to be quick to listen, and then we want to be quick to speak, right? Like it's just. But a lot of us can feel that same exact way, right? All right, yeah. I was hoping you, were, you would say because Kendall told me to come. <laughs> but that would have been humble if you listened to advice like that. But. <laughs> I appreciate all you guys sharing. So for me, every, every retreat, every conference, I went to two, maybe three classes every time. And it would cycle between uh, purity, between character, and humility. And it was just like those were my – I would go to every single time there was a humility class, I would just go. And I, I, I've probably been to 20 of them, right? Like I was just – because I so much needed to grow. And it was a huge, huge, huge piece of my life was pride. And, and arrogance and my image and I, I just was consumed with my image and how other people viewed me and, um, and, and it hit so many different things and one of the stories I think explains it a lot was so we got WDS Vision Conference this, uh, this uh, summer right and we're going down to Orlando did anyone know the first time that happened 2012, exactly. You guys were in middle school or whatever you were, right? And so 2012, right? That's actually, uh, that conference is when I figured out Toya was dating another guy in the kingdom. They broke up. That's when I figured out Toya was single. I was like, oh, really? You know what I'm saying? Put me on the docket. But anyways, and so we, we had this big bus. We had this big bus that was going out from Atlanta. to It was in Houston, San Antonio, Texas. And then and then so uh, we all, we, it, we drove for like 16 hours or something ridiculous like that, right? And so we also had like, hey, guys and girls on the bus, let's just have a time when everyone, you know, you kind of stop interacting with guys and girls, kind of purity hour, that kind of thing, right? Uh, maybe it was 11, maybe it was 12. I, I don't even remember what it was anymore. So in the back, there was this card table. And so I, I was down there, you know, whooping up people in spades and all that stuff. And so we're sitting back there, and then it was two or three guys and this girl. And, and then around 12 comes around, and I'm one of the oldest guys. I actually was like, there was no campus minister, but I was a student, and I was like a senior, and so there, it was me and a couple other senior Bible talk leaders, the oldest, like, quote-unquote, leaders on the bus, right? So I felt that even though I, I could go past 12 because it was with me, 
And because I had the strength in my pride to not be tempted with impurity, mm. then I could stay and play later with this girl, right? And, and I also, there was, uh, she was cute, and there was a piece of me that felt like, oh, I want to be staying up late with a cute girl, but I would never tell anybody that. But, and so anyway, so then there's this girl that was in front of me. It's one of our best friends now. Her name is Megan. And then Megan it turns around and tells us as we're playing, right? Hey, guys, you know, midnight's coming up. Why don't you just finish your game close? Like, why don't you go and finish up really soon? And, then, and I literally say to her, hey, Megan, you know what? If, if it was someone else, you'd probably need to say that. But since I'm here, you, you don't need to say that because I'm good, right? Can you imagine that coming out of someone's mouth? Like, it was so bad. And then, and then she goes, no, no, but seriously, didn't, didn't you tell everybody that we should stop at, you know, to separate guys, girls at midnight? And I was like, yeah, but, but since I said it, then I can break. Like, that was literally where my mind was. And then I was like, so, Megan, you just go around and you can separate guys and girls, but we won't. And then so, like, uh, five minutes later, uh, this dude comes back. His name was Daniel. He comes back from the front of the bus. And the other senior Bible talk leader, his name was Adoye. And he was on the bus. At the time, we were competitive about different things, but now we're best, best friends. And Megan was dating Adoye. And so Megan had texted her boyfriend Adoye and said, hey, Jordan isn't listening to me. Can you, do, can you, can you, can you tell him that he should split up guys, girls for purity's sake, right? And then, and then and so Daniel comes back. Adoye doesn't even come back. Daniel comes back and he goes, hey, Adoye said. And, and then I'm like, this man doesn't even have the audacity. He sent his minion back here to tell like, and so my pride flared even more. And, and then so, so I, 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 anyways, 15 minutes later, we stopped. I get back and I made it my mission to, to, for Megan and Adoy to know that they were wrong and that I was right. And so I go, we had two campus ministers at the time. And then we had, Tom Brown was like our church leader. So I went to one of our campus ministers. They said Adoy was right. I went to the other campus minister. He said I was right. And then, and so it was tied. You tied ball game. You know what I'm saying? And then I was like, if I go talk to Tom, the church leader, and if he says I'm right, it doesn't matter who thinks Adoy is right, I was right. So I go and talk to Tom, and, and I also knew I, I had a good friendship with Tom. So I was like, he's going he's gonna to pick me. He's going to pick me. So I go and talk to Tom, and I'll never forget what he said. He goes, Jordan? This is, I was like, Tom, I told him the whole story. Who do you think's right, Tom? Who do you think's right? And I also said, because clearly it's me, right? Like, it was just one of those ideas. He said, Jordan, listen, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to go up to them and apologize. I said, why? Because you think they're right? He goes, no, 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 no. It doesn't even matter who's right. You need to go and apologize because you're being prideful. And I went, but Tom, who's right? <laughs> he said, Jordan, you're not listening to me. Like, pride will always loses, and humility always wins. And he said something I will never forget. And he goes, Jordan, I would rather in heaven one day before Jesus, I would rather can try to convince him that I was trying to be humble rather than try to convince him that I was right. And I would never forget him telling me that. And so I, for me, humility has become such a big thing I've strived for, I've gone after, but it's been because of the natural arrogance that I have and the natural pride that I have. So a lot of stuff that we're talking about today are things that I've gone after, that I've learned, and that I'm still continuing to try to learn, but I hope all of us can learn that humility always wins. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to say, I'm going to ask, Steve Keckley is one of our campus shepherds, and so, just so everybody knows who you are, what's up, Steve? How you doing? Can you say a prayer for us, and then we'll jump in? Father, thank you for letting us be here. Uh, humility is uh, such a rarity in this world, and uh, it's, it's a rarity in, in a lot of our lives and uh, in the church. Uh, I pray, Father, just for the, the time we have uh, that Jordan Latoya can move. I show us scriptures and, and, and open those scriptures that help us. Right. Father, I pray mainly, though, that your spirit... Move in an amazing way through us uh, from the scriptures, but move in our hearts because, uh, Lord, we know that is the uh, you know, Jesus set that example in such an amazing, amazing way. Help us to imitate him, help us have a great class. Amen. Amen. My voice is dying, so I'm going to use this. Second Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to jump in. Second Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> and we're going to start here. This scripture is actually for the Georgia Tech brothers for a long time. We're a little bit. Hey, Ashley, you guys know Jacob French? Yeah. He's got some dog tags, man. So the Georgia Tech brothers would give dog tags to all the brothers before they graduate. They would have two scriptures on it. One was the greatest commandment love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And there's a second scripture that was put on there specifically for that person, for that brother, about what they need to grow in, but also a reminder for them forever. And the whole idea is we're part of God's army together, like dog tax, right? This scripture was on my dog tax because the brothers thought I needed to remember this scripture the rest of my life. Second okay. Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> and we'll actually start in um, verse 6. Paul's talking about all these things he can boast in. And he said, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly, but about something else. I will boast about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to start here because I want to call out, I want to call this out to us because I don't think we believe this. I don't think you really believe that when you're weak, you're strong. I want to call it right now. You don't believe the Bible about what that says. You know how I know you don't believe that? Because I didn't believe that. Because America, what, what does America say? It says, no, when you're strong, you're strong. And when you're weak, you're weak. If a guy can lift 200 pounds and this guy can only lift 10 pounds and the strong guy is strong and the weak guy is weak. We, when you're, for when I am weak, I am strong. That's right. I don't actually think you believe that. Sure. I don't actually think, this is the word of God. I don't think all, we truly let that sink into who we are yeah. and live off of it. But what does that mean? Okay, what is that? Because it's not talking about physical strength. But what is he really getting at here that when I am weak, then I am strong? I love the Avengers. You guys love Avengers? Yeah. So the original Avengers, right? You remember at one point Hulk kind of got like, you know, he kind of went overboard and he was like, I'm going to hide it. And, and he kind of got off for a little while, right? Then once, once all the aliens came through like the wormhole in New York City and the team that kind of came back together and they had that whole panorama scene, you know, that whole little thing, right? And then, and then that giant beast comes around flying through the air. And it's bigger than like all of them, right? And then they don't really know what they're going to do. And then Bruce Banner kind of walks out towards the beast, right? And he, but you don't quite know what's going on. And they're like, oh, what's going on? And he goes, man, I'm always angry. Remember when he says that? And then he turns into the Hulk and he, it's like, y'all, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. And he Hulk smashes and I was, yes, you know, just every sense in me. But in that moment, did Hawkeye look strong? No. In that moment, did Iron Man look strong? In that moment, did even Thor look strong? No, in that moment, Hulk looked strong. See, the key is when you're weak, but you let God's strength flow through you, you become strong because God's strength is on display. Similar to the Avengers, they couldn't figure out how to take out that whole you know, alien, that, that is one, just one instant. But it wasn't until the end where they let their strengths really ride out. They say, hey, when it's Hulk's, when Hulk's strength is most needed, I can take a step back and I'm going to let his strength take over. Yeah. And then so the Avengers look strong. But we're on a team with Jesus. So you are the strongest when you learn how to take a step back, no, this is when Jesus' strength can come through. Yeah. Then your team with Christ looks as strong as possible because Christ is on display. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you are weak, you are truly strong. I feel this so much, guys. I, I am such a sinner. I, I, naturally, I'm an impure man. I'm an immoral man. I'm an arrogant man. I'm a selfish man. My first retreat I came to, like or my first conference I came to, uh, over the summer when I was studying the Bible, I almost got disfellowship before I was a fellow, right? And, and, and the reason was Ajax sat me down and I was flirting with all the girls. And I wouldn't talk to them about impure things, but it was kind of like righteous flirting, whatever that means. And, and he literally sat me down and he said, look, Jordan, if I see you talking to one more of my sisters, I will never let you come to this church again. I was like, bro, that's not loving. <laughs> but in reality, it's exactly what I needed because I was at church for the girls, not for God. But that was my, I, I, I'm such a, a sinner at heart. 
I'm such a, a wretched soul at heart. Even today, even though it's been years since I've been impure, even though I'm such a more humble man than I've ever been, a more selfless man than I've ever been, becoming a husband and becoming a father, we got a 15-month-old son, I feel more selfish than I've ever been in my life. And I feel more focused on me because Cam, my son, needs so much of me. And I'm just realizing how much I want to spend time the way I want to spend my time instead of giving it to somebody else. So even now, I'm still have to, I still have to learn. It is the little man who needs to be prideful to feel good about himself. But it's the big man who in humility can feel good about himself and be confident in who he is. I'll say that again. It's the little man who needs to be prideful and boast in himself to feel good about himself. But it's a humble, it's, a, it's the big man who in humility is already confident in who he is. See, it is so freeing to not have to put the best foot forward, to not care about the image you're putting across, to not just be constantly consumed about what people are thinking of you, and if you're being lifted up, and if you stack up, and how you compare. It is so freeing, and it helps you be so confident, because you don't got to put up a, put up a falsehood anymore, right. and you can let down all the walls right. and truly be genuine. And then you're more confident than you could ever be. But you have to let down the wall of pride. See, humility is so strong. It is so strong. We think think that pride is strong. Humility is so much stronger. If you don't believe me, you guys heard of the book Good to Great. Have you guys heard of that? You will if you want to go into business. Good to Great is one of the most famous business books of all time. And then they did this in the, the most intensive study of companies done in this atmosphere of the Fortune 500 companies, all the biggest companies, all the most powerful, all the riches, the, the multimillionaire CEOs, all this kind of stuff. And they went through and they found all the companies that like that, you know, there's the average for how companies are doing. They found companies that are doing terrible and they went from doing terrible to doing better than everybody else. And they did this extremely intensive study, thousands and thousands of hours of research, thousands, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they came out with this book that's one of the most famous business books of all time. It came out like 10 years ago. And then and they go through all this and they line up how they're going to go through it. Then they say, we're going to start with the CEO of the leader. And this book that's made for businessmen that's lifted up as the biggest, like there's not a CEO. There's not a millionaire CEO in America that hasn't read this book. Like it's that, it's that, it's the go-to book. Yeah. And it says with the CEOs, you know what the CEO needs to start with and what we found? With every single company they found that went from, you know, not good, that that went to incredible, that's beating all the rest. With those CEOs that took this giant leap of strength in this business book that has nothing to do with Christ, it says the CEOs, the first thing we're going to talk about, the most important thing we're going to talk about, it says the CEOs were humble. And it talked about humility. And my mind was blown. I went, "This, this is not a Christian book, right? And it's this CEO business powerful book. And the first thing they talked about was that the CEO, if you want to take your company from being good or not or doing terrible to great, you have to have a humble leader. What? Yeah. What? And I love how there's so many, uh, there's so many uh, critics that talk about this book and they say, this is revolutionary. And it's nothing that the world has ever heard of before. And it's like, have you not read this? Yeah. Like, Jesus has been saying humility is strong forever. And now these, these awesome, you know, incredibly minded business leaders are discovering this. No, they're not. It's an ancient truth from Jesus. Humility is so strong. You don't even have to trust in the Bible. You can trust in business leaders. But if you're saying that humility is weak, you don't know what you're talking about. Humility is so incredibly, incredibly strong. Some of the strongest movements uh, in our history were formed on humility in Christ. Even the uh, civil rights movement with Martin Luther King. That is the reason that even whites and blacks can sit in this room together right now. Or why I can marry a black woman. It's because this incredible movement that happened. Martin Luther King has this quote. He says, we must in strength and humility meet hate with love. So the entire civil rights movement with Martin Luther King was focused on humility. Is the, the strength comes from humility to meet hate with love. Man, it's just so yeah. there. What is humility not? If humility is strong, then it must not be what we think it is. Humility is not being a doormat. Humility is not talking quieter or having a smaller personality. Yeah. Humility is not letting other people get their way over you. Humility isn't saying you're wrong when you're really right. We have such a false misconception 
of humility. Uh, Ralph uh, Waddle Emerson said, a great man is always willing to be little. Humility, some of the biggest, strongest person. Think about Moses and how he led millions of people and how strong of a man he was. And yet he said he was the most humble man on this planet. We have a misconception of what humility really is. Toys can come and talk more about this. So I feel like pride can show up very differently in different personalities and different kind of people. So Jordan shared that story. His pride is a little bit more rambunctious and loud and who do you think you are kind of. My pride is very quiet. My pride is very internal. My pride is like, you will never see it or hear it, but there is a tornado brewing inside of my mind. And there's a couple things that I feel like classify my pride when I'm, I know that I'm being prideful. One of them is when I'm being private, like I'm being really secretive. And I'm like, I don't need to tell you this, and this is not your business, or you didn't ask me the perfect question, and I just, I can kind of deflect and you know lead a conversation away from me. I don't want to talk about me, I want to talk about you. Um, I can be independent. So I don't ask for help. I feel like motherhood has beat that out of me. I'm like, I need help. Please help me, help me, help me. Um, And so that's great. But I think naturally my sinful slant is that I'm very independent. I'm self-reliant. And the other one is self-righteous and critical. Like I can tell you 30 things about wrong, about how service went or who was late or how the song sounded. I don't even sing, but like your pitch. I don't even know what a pitch is. But I can like be critical of things that I am not a professional in, right? And I can be so self-righteous in knowing like if I would have done that, I would have totally, but you guys don't hear that, right? You guys don't see that, and so my pride is a little bit quieter. And there's a book um, that I read recently, and it like it makes me laugh every time thinking about it. But it was basically about humility, and it was saying like when God wants to shine light on the center of the universe, no light falls on you. Yikes! And I was like, ooh, plot this. I thought it did. <laughs> um, because in general, like I am not the center of the universe. Like the world does not revolve around me and my desires and my thoughts and my opinions. Um, and there's this book that's in the, obviously that is Jesus. Like all of the light shines on Jesus. When the spotlight on the center of the world is cast, it does not touch you at all. Like not at all. God does not share his glory. Um, and one of the books I would highly recommend, it's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. It's so good. It is three chapters. I feel like I should read it once a month or on a weekend. It's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So to the point. Um, and one of the things that I've had to learn with humility is it's a freedom when I am able to like cut the cords that has me attached to everything. Every situation is somehow about me. Oh, you guys are talking in the corner? It's probably about me. Oh, you guys showed up late? It was probably because you were talking about me. Oh, you, you looked at me and smiled? What do you think of me? Like everything is connected to me. And it doesn't just stop there. Every circumstance, every lesson, every, everything is somehow about me. But it also is connected. I take those things and I connect it to my self-value and my worth. And so it's like, oh, wow, you guys didn't come to my class. Oh, it's probably about me because I'm not this. Oh, you didn't want to date me. Oh, it's probably about me because I'm like this. It's like this. It's, I become a puppet to the pride strings in my life where everything is dependent. All my decisions and all my actions and all the way that I think and feel is because I'm perceiving. It's all perceived. Because I'm perceiving that because you did that, you said that, you wore that, you texted me, you because you didn't invite me on social media, and I see you guys hanging out, and I'm not included. That's linked. Oh, they all plotted together. And their the first text was, hey, who wants to hang out without Latoya? <laughs> me? Cool. Let's all get together. And let's post this really cute picture. So, like, oh, she follows you too. You Let's all post it. That's not reality. <laughs> right? Like, it does not have to do with me. And I think all those strings, like, I can be attached to those external events, and then I attach those things to my worth, and no wonder I'm so insecure. No wonder I'm so scared. No wonder I'm so timid of like what people are thinking of me, because every, that's so, that thing behind me, my worth and my value is a sensitive, sacred place. If everyone has access to it, then it makes me always sensitive. It makes me always in, in danger, basically. I'm never safe. Um, and I think because for me, I studied abnormal psychology and it talked about how, well, one of my classes was abnormal psych, talked about how teenagers live in this world where it's this invisible audience. And in a teenager's mind, someone's always looking at you. Like someone's always watching you and judging how you're acting. So if you're like walking from the bathroom in, in the hallway to your room, someone sees me, did I trip? Oh no, I trip. But you're in your house, no one can see, you know? But like in a teenager's mind, everything is always this invisible audience. Right. And it's a part of development, but hopefully if you develop well, you grow out of that. 
I think sometimes spiritually we're still teenagers and we're like, they're watching me, they're watching me, they're watching me, what does it say about me? What is it in this invisible eye? Like literally no one's thinking about you. And I have to tell myself that. I'm not trying to mean I have to like Latoya, no no one is thinking about you. Because in my mind, everything revolves around me. Um, and in reality, 99% of the things that happen are not about me at all. And it's freeing to be like, all those strings, cut, 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 cut. Then it protects my value. If the thing that I can just stay connected to is keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, if he's the only one able to attach my, touch my value, touch my worth, I actually think I'd be a lot happier. Um, because really, humility is living in God's reality rather than living in our own. That's right. Um, and I want to share a funny story. It happened this morning, actually. So we woke up, and it's snowing, and obviously, Jordan and I share a suitcase, so we're, like, kind of scrummaging through, trying to make sure we have everything and can and blah, blah, blah. So he makes a comment. He's like, um, he's like I'm so glad I bought my Timberlands, like his boots. And um, I'm yeah. <laughs> so glad I bought my Timberlands. And last night, I had, like, taken them out of the suitcase to, like, find something else. And so I'm joking with him, and I'm like, oh, I took those out. And he's like, I bought them for retreat. You what? (laughs) You took out, and I, like, was like, yeah. And I'm not lying. I'm like, yeah, I took them out of the suitcase. And I just watch it, and he's like, and I see him like wrestling with like <laughs> I see him going down the toilet bowl of like I'm gonna be walking shoes. around with sweat socks, my feet are gonna be cold. I literally packed them, I actually did my part, like this crazy woman of mine, it's like Adam in the garden, the woman you gave me, like she is ruining me. And I watch him for maybe like ten seconds go down this bowl and I'm looking at him. And his shoes are right next to him, but he doesn't know that because I told him I took his shoes out of the suitcase. And he's living in this reality of like, this weekend is going to be terrible and it's all the toys' fault. How do I be humble? And I know when Jordan's fighting to be humble because he goes, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, yeah, I took your shoes out this morning. And he goes, oh my gosh, you see, you know? But in that moment, we were living in two very different realities, right? Like, he was living in a reality that just wasn't true. Like, uh, his shoes were right beside him. They're on his feet. He's fine, right? But to me, it was funny, because I'm like, I know the truth. Ha, 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 I can't wait. And I was like, how long? Because he was getting mad. I was like, how long should I let this ride? Um, but I didn't not let it last long. Uh, but I think that can be us with God sometimes. Where we're in this, we, we see something, we hear something, we decide that it means something, and then we toilet bowl. For a while, and God's like, if you listen to my voice, I'm trying to tell you, like, that's not true. Like, that's not happening. Like, what you're thinking is happening is actually not happening. Like, listen, 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 right? What if Jordan wouldn't have listened to me? What if I would have said, like, oh, you know, your shoes are right beside you? And he's like, no, they weren't. I'm in my emotions with spare. It's like, well, Pharaoh in that increment. He's like, oh, someone save me. You know, like, glass case of emotion. I think sometimes we can go there because we're just not listening to God. Um, so I think ultimately humility is surrendering our actions to God's reality rather than our own. Um, and one of my favorite quotes is like this uh, Christian rap song, which I really don't like Christian rap. That's a whole other conversation. But one of the songs that I do like is that the lyric is like, a man is wisest when he knows that he knows not. And I say that to myself a lot. Like, I am my most wisest when I'm aware that I just don't know. Like I don't, I don't know everything. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what they want. I don't know what they like. It's not about me. I'm not in control. I do not know. And that just frees me up a lot to not be in this this false reality that I'm creating with my insecurities. So that's what helps me. Great job. She let that go way too long this morning. I was so mad. But uh, that's that's my queen right there, man. I I know um I, I she likes another song. It's another Christian rap song by Lecrae called Background. You guys know that song? I can play the. Y'all know that song. Who 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 doesn't know that song? Oh my! Should I play it? Right now? I'm not okay. I won't. But the, the whole idea is I can play the background. Like I don't need to be center stage. Here's the other thing about humility, though. Humil- God usually in humility takes you to where you don't want to be, or where you don't think you should belong. Right? And sometimes that means God and humi- a humble man comes to the forefront when God calls him to. And too many of us, we enjoy the background and we enjoy not being center stage. And, we, and there can be this false humility of, well, I don't want to put myself up there because I don't want to make it all about me. But God actually wants to use you in incredible ways over there in front of people. And it's actually your false humility. It's actually your pride and your own comfortability that's keeping you in your own cage and your own shelter. Does that make sense? Yeah. So humility usually takes you to where you don't want to go. Um, let's go now to Philippians chapter 2. 
Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Guys, I was so mad at Toy this morning. I was like, how, how should I respond? <laughs> like, how does I, I'm preaching a class on humility. I can't arrogantly say something stupid right now. And so I just rubbed my face hard. <laughs> just, just a, I just tick. All right. Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And um, we're going to read this. Starting verse 1. It says, Therefore, if any of you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, that's like so sarcastic. <laughs> like, do you have any comfort from Christ's love? Well, no. Well, who are you? Right? Of course, Paul knows the answer to those things, right? Where it's a rhetorical question. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And this is crazy because Paul, Paul's asking these questions. Again, it's so rhetorical. It's almost sarcastic, right? Like where he's like, do you have any tenderness? And, do you have any comfort from Christ? Of course I do, Paul. Like, are you just trying to make me say yes so you can bait me into what you're about to say? Like, he's just, he's trying to bring it out. But it's crazy what he ends up talking about. He says all these things. He talks about being united. But then he has this incredibly strong teaching on humility. Like in verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceits. Okay, hang on a second. Hang on a second. It doesn't say do a little bit out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say do half, half of your things out of, it doesn't say when someone else provokes you, do something out of, don't, you know, do something out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Or only when you're feeling distant from God, feel, do something out of selfish ambition. It says do nothing. What percentage is nothing? Z- Zero. Zero. Last time I checked, right? How much vain conceit and selfish ambition is in your life? Because if it's any more than zero, then you're not following the scripture. Whoa. I remember realizing that for the first time and going, this is insane. The level of humility that the scriptures call us to. And then, and, and, but the question for me is Why? Why does he say, all right, if you have any common sharing in the spirit, any comfort from Christ's love, any uh, encouragement from being united with Christ, all these things that are so clear, right? Like being with Christ causes comfort. It causes, uh, you know, encouragement. It causes tenderness, all that stuff. Why is the first, he's talked about united and humility. Why are those the two things he immediately starts talking about? Like, why is that the jump? And then, but he explains it in verse five. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindsets as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself what? Do how much out of vacancy and selfish ambition? Nothing. So he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, or some translations say the very nature of a slave, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Christ's example is insane. Like, it's unfathomable. Like, it's unimaginable how the, the strongest being to ever exist. I mean, if, if, if it was God coming around that turn, going towards the Hulk, Hulk would have been running away terrified. Like the strongest being that created the universe. And, and, and a part of his character deep down, in the very nature of who he is, in the very nature of his strength, in the very nature of all his power and all his might, is this humility to make himself nothing. Yeah. Who is this God that is so strong and yet so humble? Without Christ's humility, what wouldn't have happened? Like if he decided to not make himself nothing, like if he just made himself, maybe not everything like he truly is, but if he just made himself a little bit of something, but not instead of making himself nothing, what, what would have happened to the world? Even, to, even thousands of years later, now. Without Christ's humility, you could not be saved. Yeah. 
Without Christ's humility, you cannot have a chance to go to heaven. Without Christ's humility, we never would have been able to see God in the flesh. Without Christ in humility, if we were having a, a retreat today, in 2020, we would the, the a lot the critical the pinnacle of the retreat tomorrow would be sacrificing animals because that would be our only way to get to heaven. Without Christ's humility to be obedient to the cross to give us a sacrifice for our sins, the greatest, most powerful, most inspirational thing that's ever happened on this planet that our freaking timeline is based off of Christ's humility coming to this earth and then His crucifixion is all based on humility. I wonder what's not happening in your life right now because you're not being humble. Like, I wonder what amazing things, what incredible things, what powerful things that God wants to give you, wants to do amazingly in your life, but they're not happening because you can't let down your pride. I think the truth is, some of us even in this class right now are letting this thing go in one ear and out the other, and we're getting so critical, and we're getting so cynical. Or getting so much of this isn't applying, or why are they saying that, or why are they dress like that, why has he got a red undershirt and a blue shirt on top that doesn't match, or whatever it is. <laughs> like, okay, I didn't bring undershirts, but the red one's all I had. Okay, that's my excuse. But, man, you gotta let your pride down, guys. Your pride, you really, <laughs> you think your pride is lifting you up, is making you feel better about yourself? It's actually destroying you. It's actually destroying you, and it's not. It's actually not hurting anybody else. It's hurting you the most. I realized this in one of the biggest ways <clears throat> when Toy and I were engaged and uh, our premarital counselors were these, uh, you know, the, Steve Brand, Stephen Terrell Brand, Steve's a Christian, professional Christian counselor, respect them a ton, love them a ton. They, they created us, they helped us form an incredible marriage. But man, without me knowing, Terrell and Steve went to Toya when we were engaged. So we had our wedding planned. We had invited everybody. We had already paid a lot of money. And then like two months out or three months out, they went to Toya and they said, Toya, I think you might need to push back the wedding. Oh my gosh, did he commit adultery? No. Oh, oh my gosh, like did, he, like did he say something stupid or did he go off on someone to get any fight? Did he get arrested? No. Wait, well why then? Because he's prideful. And they literally told her, if, he, if Jordan does not humble out, then I think he should push back the wedding. Because this pride will destroy your marriage. And then, and the truth is, when they brought it up to me, I was mad. You said what to her? I'm a pure man. I didn't go sleep with nobody. I didn't beat up nobody. And you said, because of my pride? How dare you? And Toya's like, wow, they're right. (laughs) Like, it's just, man, you're only hurting yourself. And I'm so grateful that God really humbled me. And it was actually this passage I'll never forget. Steve told me, listen, you go out and you repeat this to yourself a thousand times. And I went out, and I went on this long hike, and I repeated it to myself for hours. So it was just drained into the core of my being. Every step, I went do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And it just into every little bit of my heart. Until my, the cage of my pride started to crack and fall, up, fall apart. And look what came out of that. I got an incredible wife out of that. But it was out of a place of humility, and I needed my pride needed to get broken yeah. down. Does that make sense? Yeah. Guys, humility always wins. Check it out right here. In uh, verse 9, Christ humbled himself, made himself nothing. But then what happened? In verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that, Christ, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So even though Christ made himself nothing, God lifted him up. In 1 Peter 5 and in James 4, it talks about humble yourself under God's mighty hand and then he will lift you up. Who do you, and a lot of times we find ourselves trying to lift up our own selves. Who do you think can lift yourself up higher, you or God? I cheated. You or God, right? <laughs> like, God clearly can, but that means you have to stop trying to lift yourself up yeah. and let yourself get humbled under God's mighty hand and watch Him scoop you up and take you so, so far. Toya's going to come up and talk more. Toya. Um, it's funny because I feel like the idea of doing nothing, I mean, the, even the 0%, I'm like, oh, gosh, like, I 
can't even say I have zero percent now, you know. Um, but one of the funny, a funny example I feel like I have to be careful of if I'm going to literally do nothing is even in my conversation. Like I have to be really intentional about asking people questions about them because I'll just talk about me, like over and over and over. Like I, I kind of feel like. And not in, like, not me in a personal way that would be meaningful, but more like, oh my, especially now that I have a kid, I can just talk about Cam, and that is the perfect deflection. So, secret, if you're ever talking to me and I just keep going back to Cam, probably hiding from something. Um, but even, even being able to, like, ask questions of someone because I have an answer. <laughs> I do this with Jordan all the time. It's terrible. It's like, oh, well, what did you want to be when you grow up? And before he's done answering, like, yeah, well, for me, it's like the only reason I asked you that was so I could answer it instead of just saying, like, oh, I have something to share. Um, but it's funny <laughs> It's funny because, you know, Jordan didn't know I was going to share this, actually, so it's kind of funny that he shared about how uh, that that time in our marriage and marriage uh, counseling, whatever you, engagement prep, what is it called? Pre-marriage counseling. counseling. Yeah, I'm like, what is happening with words? Um, During that time, I feel like I got to see the fruit of Jordan fighting for his life for humility to the point where maybe it was like three, two weeks before our wedding, he got discipled hardcore. I mean, Steve Brand like kind of raised his voice at Jordan. Like he yelled at you. Yeah, he did. Um, but I was trying to be nice about it, but he yelled at you. Um, to the point where I was like, Oh my gosh, Jordan, run. You know, but I remember being so impressed by Jordan's ability to take discipling, to take correction, to be told you are not right. You are wrong. You cannot handle this. You need to change. And in my, I mean, obviously I'm marrying someone I love. I was like, well, I'm at fault too. Like, you could yell at me too. I want to absorb some of that. But Jordan can take discipling more than anyone I've ever seen, period. And I think it's because he's been, like, beaten down in humility. And I think sometimes the scariest thing to pride is being exposed. When we're prideful, we're protecting something. And I think that exposure is an exact counteraction to protecting that. And so even ask yourself, how much do you seek and love being corrected? Like when, like Jordan literally left that time of Steve saying, thank you so much. And all genuineness, thank you so much. Like, I really needed that. Like, I'm like, oh my, I'm mad at Steve. <laughs> he wasn't even talking to me. But I think being able to check your heart and say, how do I respond when people are just straight up in my face, you are wrong? Or do I, am I that person who kind of puts up a wall so people are terrified to even tell me that I am wrong? And something I had to get corrected on a lot was like, this sounds crazy, and maybe some girls in here can relate, but my resting face is just straight up stank. Like, I just, I just am like, oh, I'm fine. Like, what? You really want to kill me? You know what I mean? And so I had to get a lot of discipling on even my, re- like, my resting face. And sometimes it was like, not intentional, but sometimes I would use that to be like, don't come talk to me. Like, I have no intention on hearing anything you say, so I'm going to sit here. And I'm like, this is Satan on wheels, okay? This is just terrible, right? I need to smile, you know? So I've had to really work at being able to work on my resting face. And that's something so little. But it says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That is totally vain conceit. What you think of me, what I want you to think of me, I'm full control and I'm, and I'm in control of what you feel comfortable telling me. I think that's something huge to think about. And so for me, one of the things in the last year especially has been a big practical is just, is just to be known, bringing everything into the light, talking about everything, um, and honestly talking about it with the people who I don't want to talk to about it the most. So the person you know is going to tell you the truth. The person you know is going to see through the resting face. The person you know, like that one brother, that one sister, that you're like, man, their standard is so high. They're so, oh my God, I'm not about to go about them and ask about modesty. She's a nun. You know what I mean? Like, go ask her. You know? Go get her input. The person that, that you know you're in, avoid in the fellowship, invite those people in and let them walk with you. Let them see you. Let them empower you. Um, because if humility is trusting God rather than trusting yourself, you, you have to have people who see those blind spots. We all have blind spots. Kelly Brown calls it like a sinful slant. Like, just naturally, we all have a little slant in everything gears to that slant um so have people who can reorient you and to set you straight which is literally what it is um so for me i wanted to share like three things that i have again do nothing have put in place to protect the way that i can try to be in control of the way people see me one of them is my instagram starting in 2020 i decided a couple things about my instagram 
I'm not gonna use any filters, period. Because if this is how I look, this is how I look. So if I take a picture and it's not cute, it's because I'm not cute right now. So I'm, I'm not cute today. So hey y'all, like if I'm not comfortable posting it, I don't need a filter. Because this is just what I look like, this is what my house looks like, this is what I'm doing, period, no filters. Another one is I can't take more than 20 seconds to create a story. So you know how you're like, I want the sun on this side and then this gif right here, and then we find the perfect song, and then do I like this angle of the words, like here, do I do it the cat corner, or like Good. parallel? You know, like you become like this engineer of editing your story. I give myself 15 seconds. If I take more than 15 seconds, I either delete it or I honestly just press post. And sometimes they look crazy, and I'm like, I wasn't even done, but I'm done. You know, so what you, so what you see is what you get kind of thing. Um, and then another one was I'm not allowed to follow anyone that sparks insecurity that I haven't dealt with or that or that I have dealt with. If I need to deal with something, I deal with it and I have those conversations. But there's con there's people that I've either unfollowed or muted because for whatever reason they trigger something in my childhood me that I will never get to change. And it's not even their fault. They're not doing anything. It's not sinful. It's not whatever. But they trigger an insecurity in me that is like I'm still trying to find healing in. And so instead of getting insecure every four scrolls, just unfollow them. I love them, I see them in person, we're great friends, but the way that they live their life, it makes me insecure because I haven't figured out how to cut their cord yet. And so part of me cutting the cord is unfollowing them or muting them, and so I, I had to do that. And I told myself if I was not willing to do those things, I can't, I can't afford to be on Instagram. And that's something I was praying over in January, in the end of December and January. If I'm not willing to do this, I'm not strong enough to have Instagram. And honestly, I got on Instagram in January, and I wasn't ready to unfollow certain people, so I got off for another couple of weeks. I was like, let me pray. Like, why am I so... And I just dealt with myself. So my Instagram. Another one is my prayer life. Last year at the retreat, Mackenzie did a lesson and talked about how David prayed really bad things. He's like, I pray that you are widowed and your children are fatherless. David, that's rude. Don't say that. <laughs> but he was just honest. Now, we know David's character in real life when given the chance to take Saul's life. He never did, right? But he was right. he was honest. Like, God, I want them to die. I'm like, relax, bro. You're not supposed to say that in prayer. But you are. You're supposed to be honest. So I've said things to God in prayer that are terrible and mean and evil, but it's where my heart is. And if I don't let God see that part of my heart, then I'm not going to be able to deal with it, right? If I feel like I always have to be joyful and happy and happy-go-lucky and faithful in order to talk to God, then I can only talk to God on Christmas because that's like the only day I feel those things, right? So I feel like being able to like talk to God honestly, like actually God, I hate you. Cool, like glad I got to tell you that. Like that was one of the things that I decided my prayer life has to be blatantly honest. Amen. And then the last one was when I see things because I am very critical and I can be very self-righteous, I think if we're using it in a humble way, that can actually be a gift because God is allowing you to see things in your roommates or in your ministry or whatever. But deciding to never just bring up an issue, bring up an issue and a, res and a resolution. So don't go to your ministry leader saying, well, I noticed this, why is it this way? Mm. Go, I noticed this, here's some ideas, can I help implement any of these things, mm. right? Or if there's issues that you're seeing in someone's character, hey, I've been seeing this in your character, instead of you know gossiping with them in your mind, right? Study something out, hey, here's a Bible study, would you wanna do this together? I think this could be really helpful. So not just seeing issues, but allowing God to help you see solutions. Um, and I think that's some, some of the things that have helped me to like cut strings that I'm always trying to reattach and reattach. It's like every time I, I'm on Instagram, God's helping me cut some of those strings. Amen. Good job, man. Okay, so in, in closing, right, I'm just going to give a couple of practicals too. We'll get out of here. I just love what he says in uh, Philippians 2 and verse, uh, the end of verse 3. Rather in humility, value others over yourself. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself but thinking about yourself less and it's valuing other people above yourself it's not valuing people equal to yourself that's just crazy it's, he doesn't say value others the same as you yeah. it's value others more than you yeah. and you think about the life you want to live when you're when you're constantly focused on you what does that lead to that leads to when you're stressed or overwhelmed just filling your life with netflix or with hulu or taking naps like that's not making an impact or a difference in this world. Is that who you want to be defined by those things? Or when your life is completely focused on you, when you're feeling a lot, where does that, what else does that lead to? Well, that could lead to impurity. <coughs> yeah. Lead to coughing a lot. It could, lead to, it could lead to greed and buying a lot of things that you don't really need. It could lead to overeating and not, having the, or not working out when you need to. You don't want to be defined by those things. How about when you make your life about others? When you make your life focused on everybody else? That's when you become a true hero. That's when you become a life of significance and success is because you're actually giving to other people. You think about the people that you love most and are grateful for most in this world. 
It's the people that have decided that you were important to them and that poured themselves out into you. So here's just a couple of practicals that I want to give you guys and leave you guys with. Um, number one, what is the main thing you pride yourself in? Specifically, if you think about your image or your personality or something like that. My challenge is to go a week without it. So if there's a certain type of image that you like and you like looking a certain way, figure out how to not look that way for a week and see what that does to you. Like see how much of your confidence comes from that versus your relationship with God. I respect this girl named Aziza Hart. used to be at Emory University. She would do these crazy fasts. She loved, she's a big makeup girl. So she decided for like a week or, I don't know if it was a couple days or a day or a week, whatever it was, to go a day without, uh, or go a week without makeup just because she prided herself so much in it. She just went, my identity's not that. There's nothing wrong with makeup, but it's wrong to get my identity from that. Right. And then she loved talking. She was all, is a big, big talker. So she decided, I'm going to go a week without talking. <laughs> she would walk around on campus with this big sign that says, I'm fasting to God, not talking for the week. If you want to talk to me, write it down. Man, I respected that. She decided, man, humility wins. No matter how crazy it makes me look, if it makes me humble before God, it's worth it. Man, I love that. Number two, fast. Fast. Just decide to fast from food, right? Where you're going, because fasting is putting yourself in a humble position to realize you need God. Quiet times aren't a discipline issue. They're a humility issue. You don't have to be disciplined to eat. You just got to be hungry. You just got to be humble enough to know you need food. You don't have to be disciplined to go eat the word of God, to have a quiet time. You just got to be humble enough to know you need it. So fasting teaches you that. Uh, Practical number three. Have the talk you most don't want to have. It could be something about you where you know this person has been bringing something up to you and you just do, you, you don't want to go all the way there because your pride won't let you. Or you're frustrated with someone or someone's tweaked to you. Maybe it's even a roommate or a best friend or a family member, whatever it is. Have the talk you most don't want to have. I guarantee you the biggest reason you don't want to do it is based on pride. So if you want to be uncaged, let your pride down. And then number four, where does your pride flare the most? What kind of conversation is a flare in the most? When does it come out around the opposite sex? When does it come out? And a rule that I have for myself is when I feel my pride flare, then I'm going to bow out. It's kind of like in Star Trek, right? Like where it's the idea of being emotionally compromised. And then he referenced, you guys know what I'm talking Should I even go down this rabbit hole? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Captain Kirk, right? And the whole emotional compromise. And those Spock was saying he's emotionally compromised. Anyway, so basically the whole idea is you can't be the captain of the ship if you're emotionally compromised. You're going to make uh, decisions based off your emotions instead of based on what's best for everybody. So I have a thing for myself. is if I'm, I, I can get pridefully compromised. When I realize my f- pride flares in a conversation, then I bow out. I say, well, we're going to do what you want to do. We're going to say what you ever say, then that's right. Because th- if I'm acting out of pride, then I lost. Because I'm acting out of sin. And even if I get my way, then when I go to heaven, then I'm gonna, Jesus is going to ask me, hey, why would you do that? Well, because I was right. No, no, you don't understand. Why were you prideful? And I had that deep core conviction that when I get pride, when I feel that pride bubbling up inside of me, then I go, oh, no, you're right, or we're going to go with your way, or I'm just, hey, I'm just going to go along, or you know what, I'm just going to let you talk, and I'm just going to listen, because I'm not going to make a decision out of sin, and I'm not going to let myself get pridefully compromised, yeah. because humility always wins. Amen? Amen. 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 We're done, and we're going to go get lunch, and so lunch is in the cafeteria, and I'm just going to say, break on three, break on three. One, two, three. Great. Great. Thank you, guys. <clears throat>